Chapter Thirteen of Grace Harlowe's First Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: Grace Turns Electioneer. Directly after dinner that afternoon, the four girls, looking very smart in their new fall suits and hats, set out for Ruth's. They found her seated at a little table eating a very humble dinner of her own cooking. I'm sorry I can't offer you anything to eat. I have licked the platter clean you see but when you have some tea i think i have cups enough to go round only i'm afraid i haven't enough saucers thank you began elfreda but then a warning pinch from miriam caused her to eye the latter reproachfully and subside we'd love to have tea with you smiled miriam wouldn't we girls elfreda who had divined the reason for the pinch said yes with the others and ruth bustled about with pink cheeks and a delicious air of importance she took down from the cupboard shelf a box of nabiscos that she had been treasuring for some such occasion as the present, placing them on a little hand-painted plate, the only piece of china she possessed. When the tea was made, the guests emptied the little teapot and ate all of the nabiscos, to the intense satisfaction of their hostess, to whom entertaining was a new and delightful pastime. "'Now you must put on your wraps and go with us,' commanded Grace, setting her cup on the table. "'We are going to Morton House to make our party call.' the future president of our class lives there that is we think she is the future president and we hope to make others think so too ruth obediently went to the closet where her plain little hat and shabby old-style coat hung she looked hesitatingly from the smartly tailored suits of her guests to her own well-worn coat then with a proud little lifting of her head she took it down and began putting it on during their walk to morton house the girls met several freshmen they knew and these were faithfully interviewed as to their preference in the matter of their class's president. To Grace's delight, none of them had made any choice in regard to candidates, so her glowing remarks as to Gertrude Wells's ability to make a good president fell on fertile soil. Fortune favoured them, for when they reached Morton House they found Miss Wells out, and two-thirds of the girls downstairs in the living room, listening to the new songs that the curly-haired little girl at the piano had received from New York the day before. She was in the middle of one when the girls entered the room. Grace held up a warning finger and pointed to the piano. The song ended several notes short, and the little girl turned her head toward her audience, saying, I knew someone came in. Won't you sing for us? asked Anne, who loved music. The little girl's voice reminded her of Nora O'Malley's, and Nora's singing had always been a source of delight to Anne. Not now, smiled the singer. I wish to talk, but I'll sing for you later. We came over this afternoon, said Grace to the girl sitting next to her, to find out who Morton House wants for president. We would like to have Miss Wells. Grace was interrupted by a little cry of delight. The girl sprang to her feet and cried, Hear, hear. Then she took Grace by the shoulders and laughingly commanded, Arise, occupy the centre of the room and tell the girls what you have just told me. Before she knew it, Grace was standing in the middle of the room, earnestly advocating Gertrude Wells's cause, while the Morton house girls were making as much demonstration as was considered decorous on Sunday. Grace concluded with, I am quite sure that every girl at Morton house will vote for Miss Wells, and every freshman at Wayne Hall too. Before class meeting next Friday, I hope to be able to convince the majority of our class that they will make no mistake in voting for Miss Wells. Grace sat down amid subdued applause, and everyone began to talk to her neighbour about the coming election. Ruth Denton listened to the gay chatter with shining eyes. She had forgotten all about her shabby suit. Presently the curly-haired little girl came over and sat down beside her, asking her if she liked college. 
ruth looked admiringly at the little girl whose dainty gown silk stockings and smart pumps bespoke luxury and answered earnestly that she liked it better every day you must come and see me said the curly-haired little girl whose name was arline thayer we recite livy in the same section so we have something in common to grumble about isn't the lesson for tomorrow terrific though i haven't looked at it today confessed ruth happily i study hard on sunday as a rule but today is the first time you see ruth hesitated i see said arline kindly hereafter you mustn't study all day on sunday you must come and take dinner with me next sunday and study all afternoon promise now that you'll come oh thank you i'd love to come stammered ruth she could scarcely believe that this dainty little girl who wore such pretty clothes had actually invited her to dinner at morton house did you have a good time ruth asked miriam as they started for home late that afternoon don't ask her interposed anne mischievously she forsook me and hobnobbed openly all afternoon with that curly-haired girl miss thayer i am terribly jealous and there is a deadly gleam in my eye please don't think anne began ruth nervously looking distressed i am past thinking retorted anne melodramatically the time for action has come i shall challenge my rival to a duel the first time i see her we will fight with brooms grinned alfreda i once fought a duel down in our orchard with my cousin dick brooms were the chosen weapons we certainly did great execution with them they were new ones and the brushy part kept getting in our way until we happened to think of cutting it off and fighting with the handles after that things went more scientifically until dick hit me on the nose by mistake i wailed and shrieked and had the nosebleed and ma whipped dick and sent him home that was about the only duel i ever fought concluded the stout girl reflectively but if there's the slightest possibility of either of you choosing brooms for weapons i'll give you the benefit of my experience by training you for the fray shall i take her at her word ruth laughed anne no i'm not worth all that trouble returned ruth half shyly we won't have time to escort you home ruth remarked grace looking at her watch we must leave you at this corner be a good child and don't sit up all night to study come over on tuesday evening to dinner and we'll all study together thank you i will if i don't have too much mending on hand replied ruth good-bye i can't begin to tell you how much i've enjoyed being with you don't try advised alfreda laconically we've had just as much fun as you have miriam and grace exchanged glances Elfreda was making rapid strides along the road to fellowship i like that girl she announced as ruth disappeared around the corner she has lots of pluck when we asked her to go out with us today she looked at her old coat and hat then at us i could see that she was ashamed of them but she wasn't ashamed for more than five seconds she straightened up and looked as proud as a princess i could see a great deal more than we did finished miriam i believe you have eyes in the back of your head Elfreda. i don't miss much agreed Elfreda modestly i saw you and grace look at each other when i said we'd had just as much fun as ruth she added slyly i know what you were both thinking too you were thinking i wasn't so selfish as when i came here you needn't colour so because i caught you i am selfish but i'm beginning to find out just the same that there are other people in the world besides myself End of chapter thirteen